The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Good afternoon, good evening, or wherever you are in the world, and welcome to The Career Confidant. And as usual, we're going to be covering another great topic in leadership. This is one of those kind of sticky topics that always seems to come up, but nobody really wants to talk about it. And in fact, maybe we have a negative perception of this very powerful topic and tool in leadership and even in our everyday work which is power and influence. Now, power and influence has become a bigger conversation recently. As I was doing some research, I saw that there are lots of articles talking about power and influence, and there are training programs that you can do on power and influence, classes being offered by most leadership programs, Kellogg's, whoever you might want to go to for your leadership training, most of them have a class in power and influence. This is one of the topics that my clients who are within an organization and want to move up into leadership or are new to leadership, it's one of the topics that they struggle with the most because it seems so negative that I'm going to do things specifically to gain influence and we kind of automatically want to put a negative thought around that, right? That I'm going to be manipulative or I'm going to try to get someone to do something. And most of the time, as we're talking, it it, uh, boils down to the fact that that's what leaders do, right? Leaders try to get people to do things and in general, try to get them to do things that are for the common good If you're a leader trying to get somebody to do something that's not for the common good, you probably have bigger issues there. But this is something that most new leaders struggle with, the concept of wanting to and doing specific things to have power and influence. And most experienced leaders struggle with the execution of the concept of power and influence because things shift and change and are people underneath us shift and change and because power and influence works in a lot of different ways as we'll talk about today and there are some ways of power and influence that may be inherent in a title and some ways of having power and influence that aren't and some may be more effective at at times than others most of the organization 
that I'm working with and most of the people that I'm working with are in levels of positions where they don't necessarily have a lot of direct reports. A lot of them have either dotted line reports or project-based, program-based reports, or they're kind of a lead, but they're not really the boss. And so in those situations, the idea of power and influence comes even more, becomes even more critical. And I remember kind of early in my coaching career talking to individuals who are in project management positions, and this was always a story that they wanted to figure out how to tell. How could they tell the story of how they moved projects forward when they didn't have formal authority? Because, in fact, that was more difficult to have influence and to move things forward and to work the team towards a goal when they were not the boss. And it always struck me as, you know, they must be really good at what they do. They must be very good at at power and influence if they're able to get teams together and have them work together without an authority, right? That kind of command and control I'm in charge of your paycheck kind of authority. And a while back, um, probably almost a couple of years now, I wrote an article on LinkedIn about this, the idea of leading an organization, no matter what that organization was, like they were all volunteers. Because in the volunteer leadership positions, which was where most of my early leadership roles were, well, I guess mid-level leadership roles after leaving the university where I had some direct supervision experience, I guess this is what you would say. I went to leadership roles within pretty large nonprofits and everyone was volunteers and learned pretty quickly and saw others fail at leading volunteers because they tried to do it like they were employees. And the really effective volunteer leaders were able to get people to move in the same direction, similarly to what I would envision these project managers had done through influence, through inspiring, through really tapping in and understanding how to motivate each individual which to me right away just seemed like a good way to lead others no matter what the situation was, even if that person was paid. And so power and influence and the way that it works in the workplace is shifting. And most of the articles around power and influence and some of the classes that are being advertised around power and influence talk about the change that's happening in how influence works and mostly that it's going from kind of that hierarchical top-down more positional influence which we'll talk about our positional power and where the person that has the power has the influence, that's kind of the old school world. And we're moving now to where organizations are flatter. And a lot of this, uh, you know, who's maybe a chicken and an egg thing here, but 
really the person with influence has the power or you don't necessarily have to have influ- have to have power to have influence. I think part of this is happening because of the way millennials work and there's an article talking about how millennials are more influenced by their peers than their bosses. So they did some research and and found that millennials were more likely to do something if their peers were doing it or suggesting it than if their supervisor was doing it or suggesting it. And millennials really are changing the workplace because of how they're motivated and how they interact with organizations for good or for bad. You can argue that um, until the cows come home, I guess, but this is the way things are changing And if you are a leader or want to be a leader or want to advance in your career, understanding how power and influence is changing and some of the skill sets that you'll need to be an effective leader. And I put that in quotes because it doesn't necessarily mean, and in fact, it may mean less today that you have a title and more that you need to be able to influence to achieve what you need to achieve in your job, even as an individual contributor, so that you can get visibility and move up, catch the catch the wave in to where you want to go, or perhaps if you're working in, in more of a contractor type of world, that you're able to win new gigs. So when we think about influence and power, we, we kind of have to fight, especially if we're Midwestern or, or females have trouble with this too a lot, fight that thing in our head that says these are negative ideas, that this is a bad thing to be thinking about, that we shouldn't be trying to build our skills in power and influence because we're manipulating negatives that come into our head. And we're going to talk about some of the different ways that one can have power and influence. And of course, some of them are negative. However, we want to avoid the broad brush painting of them all as negative because of course they're not. So to be an effective influencer, it's really that ability to get others to do what you want them to do, right? And That can be good or that can be bad. And of course, every leader needs to do those. So one of these articles talks about a research study done to look at influence styles. And I thought we'd start here first because, of course, there are lots of different ways to influence. So insisting that your ideas are heard and you challenge the ideas of others. So an assertive influencing style. Convincing, you put forward your ideas and offer logical, rational reasons, so that more analytical influencer. Negotiating, you look for compromise and make concessions to satisfy the greater interest. Bridging, build relationships, connect with others through listening and understanding and building coalitions. And inspiring, advocating your position, encouraging others with a sense of shaped purpose and exciting possibilities. So we can tend to judge those as we hear them, but really they can each be effective depending on the situation and the style. Where we're going to run into problems is where we try to use the same one all the time because it is our style. We want to be able to 
adjust to the situation or to the other person that we're trying to influence and work in a way that works for them. So that article is from Forbes. Uh, It's called Five Steps to Increase Your Influence. And um, the first one, the first thing I would say, although it's not one of their five steps, is to understand that influencing and power happens in a lot of different ways, that although it can be negative, it, it doesn't have to be. And in fact, you are going to be ineffective as a leader, as a communicator, and, and even as an individual contributor, if you lack the ability to influence. So again, the five different ways that we might influence, and we're going to come back and talk about some more expanding versions of this but the idea that we can be asserting which kind of is that insistent and challenging influence influential way convincing that more analytical build your point of view negotiating looking for compromise and and coming to outcomes that are of the greater interest relationships and connecting with others you know it's funny that one might kind of pop out as being positive but of course if we've ever worked with a leader where that was their only style of influence you have seen it as a negative at some point that they were always trying to build coalition and that they could never just make a decision get something done be more assertive and get it get something done so even those ones that sound like "Ooh, this is the best can be negative if we overuse them just as as much as asserting can be negative if we overuse it. And then aspiring, advocating the position and encouraging others with a sense of shared purpose and exciting possibilities. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few other ways that you can be influencing. Then we're going to talk about the types of power and some skills that you can build to improve your ability to have influence We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to Make a Difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. What can we do to prepare for a career-altering interview or presentation, land an important deal, or simply play a great game of golf? 
These activities depend on preparation and execution, which grouped together we call performance. Uncover the mysteries of our mind and unlock the secrets of great performance by illuminating the mental side of life. When we better understand why we do the things we do and what keeps us from accomplishing our goals, we elevate our success. Listen for The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christie, Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking about power and influence and encouraging you to keep an open mind about these concepts and the fact that they are important for your ability to be effective in your job and they don't have to be a negative. And not everyone that I work with feels that way, but a resounding number of them feel like these things are fairly manipulative, if you will. However, if we're going to move people towards a goal, we have to influence them. So a little deeper in terms of approaches to influencing, we talked about five kind of general ones from asserting, convincing, negotiating, bridging, inspiring. Now I want to dive a little bit deeper. And this is from the elements of power, how influence works. It's a book, maybe one that you would want to pick up, um, Terry Bacon, the elements of power. So digging a little bit deeper, he talks about the rational approaches to influencing. So ferreting out some of those logical approaches to influencing, logical persuading. So he says this is the number one influence power throughout the world the most frequently used and effective influence technique, but it doesn't work with everyone, logical persuading. I think that in pop culture in America here, we're seeing some examples of logical persuading not working for all people. Legitimizing, appealing to authority. He says on average, this is the least effective technique in the world, but it will work with some people some of the time. So, saying I'm I'm the authority or this person is the authority on that, so you should do what they say. Exchanging, so this is similar to the negotiating one from the Forbes article, can be effective when it's implicit rather than explicit, often used less, less often, but sometimes the only way to gain agreement or cooperation, so maybe kind of quid pro quo there. Stating, assertive, asserting what you believe or want can be effective if you're self-confident and state the ideas with a compelling tone, can cause resistance if overused or used heavy-handedly. Heavy so 
as we were discussing before, asserting doesn't have to be a negative thing. It becomes negative when we do it too much or when we do it too heavy-handedly, as Terry would say. So those are the rational approaches to influencing, logical, persuading, legitimizing, exchanging, and stating. And you can see that each of these might be more effective depending on what you're trying to accomplish within your organization or within your team. Then he talks about social approaches to influencing. And based on some of the work by Simon Sinek, we can guess that a lot of these are going to be very powerful and more powerful long term. You can use them more frequently because we are more social creatures and we it is a good thing to motivate people socially and you can go and see some of the TED talks that Simon Sinek has done recently around the different brain chemistries of motivation and he goes into in depth about the fact that if we scare people or we use um, rewards we are motivating parts of the brain that eventually burn out. But when we use the social approaches to influencing, we are creating better brain chemistry and more long-term chemical balances that are better for people when we use these ways of influencing or persuading or rewarding behavior. So socializing, getting to know the other person, find common ground, complimenting people and making them feel good about themselves. One of the influence power tools. So people will often say, well, that sounds so manipulative. If I'm commenting or complimenting people and making them feel good about themselves just to get a leg up. Well, it won't work if you're doing it just to get a leg up. It has to be authentic. It has to be real. And the better you are at making meaningful compliments rather than things that are generic or things that everyone says to everyone, the more effective you are at making these things real and personal, not just the more influence that you'll have, but the better relationships that you'll have and it's all around good thing actually not a negative manipulative thing appealing to relationship so gaining agreement or cooperation with people you already know based on the strength of your existing relationships third highest in effectiveness globally so this means that we have to be building our relationships and maintaining them and nurturing them so that when we get to the point that we need to have influence in a situation, we can call on those relationships. If we don't really have relationship, this doesn't work. Similar to socializing, it has to be real, it has to be authentic, it has to be something that we are maintaining long term for it to work. Consulting, engaging or stimulating people by asking questions, involving them in the problem or solution. Another one of the power influence or the influence power tools, fourth globally in frequency and effectiveness, works with smart, self-confident people who have a strong need to contribute ideas. This is critical for effective leadership, critical for group leadership, even if you're not the real what power position leader, which we'll talk about here in a minute, and very important for leading 
millennials. Engaging or stimulating people by asking questions, involving them in the problem or solution. This is a good old Dale Carnegie technique, right? That you are engaging people in the solutions so that they that you have influence in carrying out the decision and you have influence in carrying out that decision, not because you've manipulated how to get there. You have power and influence in the, the decision and execution because everyone's on board from the beginning because you've involved them in the problem or solution. Alliance building, finding supporters or building alliance to help influence someone else using a peer group, not used very often and not always effective. I feel like some companies try to do this and it doesn't work so well. In my nonprofit world, they kind of promote this as one of the big things to do, um, alliance building or coalition building. And it wasn't surprising to me to read that it wasn't very effective because it doesn't typically really give anyone influence to move something forward it usually just pits one group against another so not surprising that the alliance building is not as effective so social approaching approaches to influencing three of them were influence power tools socializing appealing to relationship and consulting interesting Third, or yeah, third kind here, emotional approaches to influencing, emotional appeal or appealing to the heart, one of the principal ways to influence people and the best technique for building commitment. You'll see this a lot in marketing where they're trying to appeal to your heart, fundraising, um, politicians do it all the time, unfortunately, in a fear-based and negative way sometimes. So powerful to appeal to those emotions, appeal to the heart. Other emotional approach to influencing is modeling, behaving in the way you want other people to behave. This is what we talk about with, you know, parents and kids and sports figures. It's fifth globally in effectiveness. So you can influence people without being aware that you are influencing positively or negatively by the way that you behave. I think as leaders, sometimes we forget about this. We don't necessarily think about ourselves as a role model at work to our team, you know, the whole do as I say, not as I do carries over into work and we don't really think about it there. So fifth globally in effectiveness here in modeling, just by doing what you do is one of the highest ways to influence others. So those are all fairly positive. They lead towards positive influence, positive power. Of course, if you're using them to do bad things, they're not going to be positive. But they are team building. They're great leadership skills for you to take on. And again, those come from the elements of power, how influence works. Now, Terry also goes into here the dark side of influencing Avoiding, so forcing others to act by avoiding responsibility or conflict or being passive-aggressive. 
most common dark side technique. We see this a lot probably in our relationships. In some cultures, trying to preserve harmony can look like avoiding, so we have to be careful there. Manipulating, so influencing through lies, deceit, obviously not going to work very well in the long term. Intimidating, imposing oneself on others, forcing them to be to comply. And threatening, so harming or threatening harm if they don't com- comply. So those are the negatives of the negative sides of, of influence. And my guess is that most of us don't use those very often, even though we think that influence is this very negative thing. We probably very, very rarely use those negative tactics because we know they're negative. They feel negative. They're not something that we gravitate towards, especially at work. I'm guessing that avoiding and um, especially avoiding happens more in our personal relationships and manipulating through lies, deceit. Most of us have uh, figured out that that one eventually catches up to you and you don't get much out of it. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the different types of power and how you can use some of these skills to build your power and influence within your organization and advance your career. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about power and influence. And these probably don't come as too much of a shock that there are two types of power, the positional power and person, well, never mind, <laughs> looking at too many things at once, sorry, positional or formal power, and then informal or personal power. So position power is based on your title. It comes with kind of that command and control type of power. So we have the ability to reward or provide someone with a raise or punish, limit a raise or or do discipline. And then in the informal or personal power, it's not based on the position, but our ability to influence others based on some of the the areas we've just been talking about in terms of influence. So it's our expert power. So we have a highly valued knowledge or skills. People know that we have an expertise or an associative power based on who we know or who knows us. So those two types of power, formal or positional, where it's because of our title and then personal or informal based on either our knowledge, expertise, who we know, who knows us. And so this article, leadership and development article, leadership and development blog from Ormond Coaching and Training in Ireland goes through some more specifics on those two different types of power. So talks about positional power and they call it legitimate power where a person believes they have the right to make demands of others because they have a senior title. I love the warnings here that people are influenced by the position, not by you. So your ability to influence by legitimate power is restricted to those situations in which people believe you have the right or power to influence their dis- their actions or behaviors. So two different ways to interpret that. One, that if you're in a situation where you're with a different group of people, you may not have power even though you're used to having it. And two, if your employees have changed their frame of mind and are coming from a different place, you may think you have legitimate power and you no longer really do because they don't respond to it in that way. So if people don't believe you have the right or power to influence their actions or behavior just based on your role, you will, you will not have your power anymore. Um, and it says, do not rely on this type of power because doing so may result in abusing this power and degrade your relationships. So you've all worked with managers who took this as their main way of gaining power. It was their role, their the boss, they're in charge, nobody questions. And you know that 
They may be effective in certain situations or with certain teams, but they can't be effective in a more global way because not everyone responds to this well. And in fact, research and, and data and somewhat common sense would say that most people don't respect respond to this well long term. It's more of a situational and more of an old school approach to leadership. The other type of positional power is reward power, so the ability to give rewards. So promotions, pay increases, even commissions. This is what Simon Sinek talks about in terms of this type of motivation. It appeals to people's dopamine, right? It's a little boost of, of yay, but it doesn't last very long. And so people have to keep getting the yay and it takes more yay to make you happy. It's kind of like a drug and eventually it wears off and people have to go find an organization that either motivates them differently or provides a whole nother level of, in, of feedback in terms of reward. And of course, if we're using this as our main way of influencing others, we may run out of rewards. We're going to burn out people's dopamine receptors and they're going to need more and more of this kind of reward to for us to continue to have power over them. Coercive power is the opposite of reward power. So threats and punishments, you've all probably worked for leaders where this was the main way of them to getting their power they're going to discipline you or they're going to take away your your raise i find this to be lower level managers and entry-level managers can abuse this type of power perhaps mostly based on a lack of training so those are legitimate power positional based power the next ones are personal power and relating more to what we were just talking about before in terms of influence. So referent power to identify those who have personal or desirable resources or traits. So charismatic power. This comes from the personal characteristics of the person, their energy, empathy, toughness, charm. You have to be careful not to abuse this. And you also have to not think, well, I don't have any charisma, so I can't have this type of power. I can't use this. As we've talked about some great articles, especially in Harvard Business Review, around having charisma and how it's a skill. It doesn't have to be a natural inborn trait. Charisma can be a skill. And we'll talk about some of the ways we can gain that and really some of the ways we talked about in terms of influencing through socialization relationships are also ways that you have more quote-unquote charisma. Lastly, in this piece of it is expert power. So having that specialist knowledge, expert in your field, people tend to listen to people who have expertise, Expert power does not require positional power. And if you are a leader and you have someone on your team that has expert power, it is potentially harmful to you 
if you abuse your positional power by ignoring the expert power on your team. Use that person and their power to offer guidance and support the team and motivate them. You'll actually build your relational power and your socialization power and influence by doing that. Gain respect from those who have that expert power and use that expert power on your team to gain respect from your customers and suppliers. Develop your expertise so that you can stay up with that person that has the expert power or the people and participating in those discussions. Don't try to one-up the expert power on your team. Let them be the expert. That's okay. And be open to discussing the concerns. Use the other areas of power. Create those relationships. Create the socializing influences, you don't have to fight for the expert power. And I see this a lot in engineering, more technical teams, where the boss, instead of really being the manager and using the other ways of influencing that are more appropriate for a manager, will try to be the expert on the team as well and fight for that expert power from the other person on the team. And this is something that we see in our relationships at all levels across professional and personal is that people like the power to be even. That doesn't mean that we all have the same power, but it means that we all have power. So if you can figure out what type of power or what your strengths are that you bring to the team, what ways you have influence and what ways other people on the team have power or influence, and let them have their little slice and you have your little slice, it, it can help avoid some of the conflict and power games that can be prevalent both in personal and professional relationships. So finding ways to balance the power. And I always laugh because it's an you know funky old 80s video, but if you Google Power Dead Even, that is becoming more and more true. When the video was created, it was more about female versus male power structures. And very simplistically, what's happening in our organizations is that the more female power structure, where it's even power, is more acceptable to your millennial employees because of their generational preferences and for your boomer employees because they've been around a long time, your ex-employees because they've been around a long time. So you're going to find that power dead even approach to be more effective across your organization than the old school hierarchical kind of stereotypically male approach to power. So all these different ways that you can have power, that you can have influence, find what works for you and flex to what works for that other person or your team and let each person bring their type of influence or power as it makes sense to the organization, the project, the program. Watch for those places where you start to get in a power struggle 
And we're going to talk about when we come back, kind of your takeaways for today. We have a few really good skills on influencing and persuading and how to have better influence. And we're going to also go through a list of books on power and influence that the quintessential man says everyone needs to read. We'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want to hone the right skills to become a CEO or stay there as a competitive strategic leader, check out CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. You'll learn the tips to success and hear from the experts who are at the top of their games. You'll make your company stand out from the competition and build your own reputation in the process. Top executives are made, not born. So take charge of your future growth. Listen for CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about power and influence and I hope you've seen that it doesn't have to be about manipulation and that it is a critical skill for you to be an effective leader, no matter at what level you're leading. And we talked about the rational approaches to, to influencing logical persuading, legitimizing, exchanging, stating, and all of those being somewhat effective with the number one influencing power tool being that logical persuading but then this group of social influencing all being very powerful with socializing appealing to relationships consulting being three of the influence power tools and emotional approaches to influencing also being powerful appealing to values and modeling 
we think about power and influence, oftentimes we think about positional power, people who have power because they're in some kind of a titled position. But the world is moving away from that being true and to much more of a power and influence system that depends on these other types of influence. And in some ways, moving away from that male hierarchical vision of power to a a more female, you might think, oh, it's touchy-feely, but it really isn't. And if you look at how people have power and influence, even if they do have a position title, if they're really influential, they're not doing it through their their position title, even if that may be what would be thought at the on the surface, they're doing it through these other means. And in fact, even the good old boy system that would have you think that positional power was the most important, it's the good old, good old boy system because of these social and emotional approaches to influencing. So, especially women struggle with this. And a lot of what we talk about with emotional intelligence is helping people claim their personal power, which sounds really woo-woo, but it's not. It's this difference between positional power and personal power, and that men are better at claiming their personal power because they've lived in the good old boy system their whole lives, where socializing and appealing to relationship were done every day, but never in those words and always in a way that was much more acceptable than the way we talk about it or think about it or describe it when a woman is doing it. So it's about claiming your personal power, but that's not a woo-woo thing. That is, how do you have power and influence over others when you're not in positional power? Or even if you're in positional power to be more effective, how do you use and claim your personal power to have better influence. So a few quick tips to think about how to gain power. And this comes from a a blog on free management library, but it was really good. Managementhelp.org, influencing others. And it talks about which is easier to obtain, personal power or positional power. Well, of course, personal power is going to be easier to obtain unless you're in a position of positional power. Talks about knowing what's going on. Information is power, so pay attention. Talk about this a lot in career development space. You can't manage your career. You can't move up if you don't know what's going on, if you don't know what's important to the organization, to your boss, to the people around you. Know what's going on. Have skills, will travel, know how to sell your skills, know how to build your skills. That expert power is important and you you are in charge of building your ability to be that expert power or the who knows who level of power. Develop a strong brand. We talk a lot about personal branding. So conveying your distinctiveness as a professional or leader, stand out, stand for something. Enhance your reputation. This is part of branding too, to know what, when and what to say about yourself. Build good working relationships. 
have that ability to have social power, relational power, and influence. Specific actions. Show up. The power of presence. So you have to be there to have influence. And being face-to-face is much more influential than anything else. Take those opportunities to be face-to-face. Speak up the power of voice, being articulate about your ideas, getting them out. If you're uncomfortable in meetings or speaking up, find ways to build your comfort in that. Because if you never say anything in a group setting, in a meeting, if you're never giving the presentation, it's very hard to gain that expert influence because no one knows you're the expert if you're never saying anything. Team up. So building good relationships, this is not necessarily that alliance piece, but the relationships within your organization, really giving those the attention that they deserve. And then persistence. To make adjustments and keep going, to realize that everybody is fearful and everyone has self-doubt but the people that are successful never show it and keep doing things anyway. And this is a challenge for our more analytical types who are used to not doing things until they have all the information and not stepping in if they don't know how to do something. Taking some risks and stepping out and doing something that works is awesome, but even stepping out and doing something that fails gives you the opportunity to learn and it gives you the opportunity to show others that you can take risks. And even if you fail, you'll show up versus not being there at all because you were too fearful or too hesitant or didn't have all the information that you needed or didn't feel like you had the skills you needed figure out how to take some of those risks at calculated times so that you can stand out. This has been fun talking about power and influence. As I said, it's one of the the areas that a lot of my mid-level and entry-level managers struggle with. So hopefully give you some ideas on how you can improve your power and influence to be better where you are and to move up where you want to be. Look forward to hearing from you. You can always connect with me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at Career Thought Leaders. And we look forward to seeing you back here on the show next week. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 